let's do in Christ alone. Happy Sabbath. Good to see you, Bucks County. It's good to be back. I feel like this is a little bit of a home away from home. I don't know how many times I've spoken here, but I'm really glad to see you. It's hard to believe we're living through a global pandemic right now, isn't it? The novel coronavirus, known as COVID-19, and some of us, Elaine, we just call her Rona, okay? So Rona showed up about 18 months ago, and uh, when she hit, she leveled many people. She changed life as we know it, thrusting our world into crisis. It was like a plague had come upon the land and there was nowhere to run, nowhere to hide, nowhere to escape. And Rona is no respecter of persons. She doesn't care if you're rich or poor. She doesn't care if you live in Bucks County or some other county. She doesn't care if you're a city mouse or a country mouse. Rona doesn't care if you serve the Lord or not. She's been taking names, destroying lives and livelihoods, and there's no cure. I checked the numbers this week as I was preparing for this message. And current cases in Pennsylvania are 1.387 million, nearly 29,000 deaths. Each one of those is a story, right? It's a person that was loved and cared about. In the United States, 42.8 million cases and so far, 686,730 deaths. And globally, 229.5 million cases, 4.7 million deaths. Do you remember where you were when Rona hit? Oh, I remember it. In Maryland, it was March the 13th. It was a Friday, March 13, 2020. And they announced that, uh, the governor announced that they were shutting, closing down the state. Offices must close, schools must close, churches must close. And I remember getting the call from my sister. My sister said, they're gonna close down everything for three months. And, and you need to go and make sure you have food and everything you need for three months. And so it was Friday morning, March 13th, that I found myself in Costco pushing a cart with everybody else. And we had masks. Some people had shields on. I mean, it's amazing the contraptions that people came up with, okay? And they're pushing their carts through Costco. And I'm sitting here in Costco, like, what am I going to need? Let me see, let me see, let me see. Um, um, cereal, um, you know, and I, I'm literally, you know, like that. And people are pushing carts by me, and they are packed. The carts are overflowing. There's eggs. There's cereal. There's toilet paper. 
There's wipes. While there were still some wipes left, on that day, you could still get wipes, right? There was PB&J, of course, okay? How are you, you going to survive a pandemic with peanut butter and jelly? You have to have everything you need in the house to keep your family satisfied and sane. People were deciding who to quarantine with. People were filling up on gas. People were leaving the big cities and trying to find somewhere to go. People upon people were in Costco, in long lines to get in Costco and long lines to pay. I see some of you nodding. You remember that day. Coming to an end. I already had a big bag brown of, of three times, big bag of brown rice. But my sister had none. And I'm in Costco, remember, and, and you know, Costco, anybody go to Costco? Nine long? Okay. Huge bags of rice, huge bags of flour, sugar, everything you're going to need, right? I go to the rice aisle. It was there was one little lone bag of basmati rice in the corner. And my sister says, get it for me. I'm like, it's $17. She's like, get it for me. I don't have any rice. I don't know what I'm going to eat. So I get the rice for her. I'm standing in line. The nervous tension in the air was palpable. You could cut it with a knife. Because everybody knew, even though we weren't talking to each other, that we Line and I get a text on my cell phone from the school. Parent alert, please come prepared to pick up your children and all their belongings and all their books because they will not return to school until further notice. Pacific Press, which prints the visitor that you love and read, right? Amen? Yeah. <laughs> Pacific Press sent me a message. Shut down the, the state, which means we can't print the visitor, which means we don't know when the visitor is going to go to our to homes. Every event was canceled, which is hard for Seventh-day Eventists, right? Because we go from one event to the next. Graduations were canceled. Some camp, most of the camp meetings in our union were canceled. Summer camps were canceled. Even GC session was canceled. Now, that was our little five, every five-year taste of heaven. How could they cancel that? But GC session was canceled. Restaurants closed. People lost jobs. The economy slid like a kid on a water ride at Hershey Park. Our busy schedules, which we thought we couldn't live without, evaporated. Suddenly, we're all home, and everybody in my house is in a different room on the computer, Zooming. We became Zoombies. Anybody remember that? We became Zoombies. Okay, now look, I'm not a hater. I love Zoom. I love Zoom. How many of you, let's tell the truth, have been Zooming with a nice shirt or blouse on and your sweats or your pajamas on, all right? Zoom! I'm good with it. I'm good with it, okay? I've attended many a board meeting. <clears throat> uh, Zooming. But the streets became... Animals came out and took over. You see the, the news where the kangaroos were hopping around in Australia because nobody was out? We quickly put together a video message with our president, Dr. Dave Wigley. 
though we didn't know the future, we didn't know what would happen, the one thing that we knew we could do was to pray and trust God. When there's trouble on every side, Bucks County, what can you do? Turn and tell somebody through your mask, pray and trust God. Let me hear it. Pray and trust God. As the British would say, keep calm and carry on. Keep calm and carry on. You know, recently I was reflecting on the last 18 months. And I was looking at the ups and downs in our world right now. It's not just Rona. We've got fires on the West Coast. We've got hurricanes and flooding out here in the East. We all watched the planes take off from Afghanistan and the people clinging to the plane. We've all seen what's happening in Haiti, which got a one-two punch. First they got the earthquake, then they got the hurricane. And now we see the images of people from Haiti trying to get into the United States and the Texas, right? Coming through Texas. What about South Africa? What about the mass shootings we saw in the news yesterday? Mass shootings, mass shortages for car parts, all kinds of things going on. It's like there's calamity everywhere. In the midst of all this, Elder Vernon, I went to my Bible, and I said, what am I going to talk about, Lord? I'm going up to Bucks County this weekend. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know your pastor. I've never met your pastor. Last time I came, you had a different pastor. But I just got confirmation based on what he said. Because I wondered, God, what do you want me to talk about? And what he led me to, I feel like dovetails nicely with what your pastor just said. I went to one of my favorite Bible stories, cousin Gloria Dean. Went to one of my favorite Bible stories, Jehoshaphat. Oh, I love the story of Jehoshaphat. And I said, oh, that's what I'm going to talk about because we need a Jehoshaphat moment. I don't know what to do, Lord, but my eyes are watching you. And as I went there and I'm praying, God said, go back a few chapters. Scroll back a few chapters. There's something I want to show you there. And when I went back, I scrolled back to 2 Chronicles chapter 14. And that's where we're going to be today. Because God sent me a message there. And I'll be honest with you, when I speak, it's because God sent messages to me, for me, about me. But I drove two and a half hours this morning because I had a feeling that somebody else needs to hear the message that God sent for me. Amen? And the message that he gave me today is the same as the scripture that was on your screen and that Terry read. And the title is Fully Committed. Somebody say, fully committed. Fully committed. committed. Let's pray. Father, open our eyes so that we might see. Open our ears so that we might hear. And open our hearts and minds and give us a glimpse of your everlasting love for each and every one of us. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 I'm so glad to be here with you, and I'm so thankful for the invitation. It's good to come back and see you and bring a word and, and, and share in the word together this morning. But we don't have a lot of time. I've been given a time limit. <laughs> you know, you tell a storyteller to tell the story very quickly, so I'm going to do my best, okay? But this morning, 
We're not going to talk about Jehoshaphat. If you turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 14, who are we going to talk about today? Say it loud. Asa. Who was Asa? Jehoshaphat's father. God wanted me to come this morning and share with you a very short message about Asa, Jehoshaphat's father. Okay? So, as we get started, let's remind ourselves a little bit of the history and where we are. Okay? We're talking about God's people, the children of Israel. Remember the children of Israel went to God and said, we want a king. We need a leader. We need a leader like everybody else. And he said, okay, I'll give you a leader. So he gave him Saul. Briefly followed by his son, Ishbosheth, then David, then David's son, Solomon. And after 120 years of having a king and a ruler, what happened? Civil war. They split up the cousins. They started fighting. The cousins started fighting each other. And the 10 tribes went to the north, and they called themselves Israel, and their capital was Samaria. And the two tribes went to the south, right? 12 tribes, right? 10 in the north. Two in the south, the two tribes in the south called themselves Judah, and their capital was Jerusalem. And Asa was the third king of Judah. He ruled from about 911 to 870 BC. So we're talking almost 3,000 years ago from today, right? We know that the overarching theme of these stories that we read in the Old Testament are about whether God's people will keep the covenant that God made with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Remember God speaking to them in Genesis 17, and you don't, you don't have to go there, I'll just go there for you, and I'll just remind you what happened in Genesis 17. God approaches a 99-year-old man, okay? If anybody here is not yet to 99, guess what? It's not too late. Oh, we have somebody? Oh, okay, you're not there yet. Okay, so guess what? guess what? It's not too late. Okay. At 99, God approaches Abram and he says, what? Uh, Let me introduce myself. I am God almighty and I will make you exceedingly fruitful or walk with me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between you and me and I will multiply you greatly. God calls you at 99 and says, walk with me. I'm going to multiply you greatly. I'm going to make you a great nation. But here's what you have to do. We have to have a covenant, you and me. We're going to make a covenant. And this covenant is not going to last just now. It's going to last for generations. And this covenant is not only between me and you. It's going to be between me and you and all your offspring from generation to generation to generation. And so Abraham accepts that and he changes his name to Abraham right? And then eventually we get to Jacob and he changed his name to Israel. And that's where we have this nation. And so Asa, we find this, this man Asa, and he is living still within that covenant. The covenant still applies. But as time goes on, the people begin losing their way and they start straying from God and they start forgetting about the covenant and they start looking at the heathen people all around them and they start copying them and worshiping idols like them and and they fail to live up to the covenant. 
And in book after book of the Bible in the Old Testament here, we see God pleading with them, trying to keep them connected, trying to help them to come back to him, to remind them that he is the one true God. So he does whatever he can to help them. He calls prophets. He performs miracles. He warns them, if you don't follow me, you're going to suffer. And they do. Their cities, their temples, their homes are destroyed. They lose the promised land. They become refugees, exiles, slaves. There are all kinds of calamities going on. Life is a struggle. And Asa becomes king of Judah after Israel and Judah have been warring for about 20 years, civil war, 20 years or so. So let's drop in. Thank you for putting it up on the screen. You guys have the best AV awesome team. Somebody say amen. Amen Amen for this team up there. I'm looking at they're amazing. So they put it up on screen. I don't know what version they're using, but I'm using New King James Version, but we will work with whatever is there. Um, So 2 Chronicles 14.1, we meet Asa after the death of his father. And it's just three chapters that we're going to look at today. So Abijah rested with his fathers and they buried him in the city of David. Then Asa, his son, reigned in his place. In his days, the land was quiet for how long? Asa did what was? Uh Mine says good and right. Okay. What does it say? Read it with me, everybody. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. He, and the rest of it goes on to say, he removed all the altars. He removed the idols. He, he didn't want people to, to worship those idols. And then verse four, what does verse four say? He commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to do what? Read it with me. To observe the law and the commandment. What is the law and the commandment of Moses? The Ten Commandments. So what do we know about this young man, Asa? How many 20-year-olds are in their 20 young men do I see here today? I see a lot of young men. I love it. Okay, and how about young women in your 20s? All right. So this is a king who is about your age. And he is following the law of Moses. He is keeping the Ten Commandments, right? Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Honor your father and your mother. And what's the fourth commandment? So can we assume Asa was in church on Sabbath? And he said to all his people, let's worship God. So for 10 years, God gives him peace all around. He's a new king. And what do you think he did during that time? He built up his family. He had a family, right? brought him to Sabbath school, and he had wonderful children's stories like we heard this morning, and because he was teaching it to his children just as it was taught to him. And Asa um, got all of the people to do what was right. So two things I want to note here. One, he followed God, and he followed the covenant, and he did what was good and right, and he followed the law and the commandments. And two, God gave him peace for 10 years. During that time, he builds up the army, he builds up his house, he builds up his family, and he's building a good life and a good reputation. So all is good. Asa's off to a good start. Then in 2 Chronicles 14.9, here comes trouble. The Ethiopians and a million-man army and 300 chariots come to attack. And Asa who only has about 580,000 troops, which to this point he thought was pretty good, right? If you have 580,000, half a million troops, you thought it was pretty good until you hear in the news that the Ethiopians are coming with a million-man army and 300 chariots. 
And Ellen White writes about this in the book Kings and Prophets. You can go home and read it this afternoon if you want. Let's review what she says, and I'm quoting from her. Ellen White says, Having sought the Lord in the days of prosperity, the king could now rely upon him in the day of adversity. Amen. Amen. During the 10 years of prosperity, when all was going well, Asa followed the Lord and did what was good and right. And now in the day of adversity, he could call on him. His petition showed he was not a stranger to God's wonderful power. I hope you and I aren't strangers to God's wonderful power. Let's read verse 11. Let's hear what happened. Verse 11. Read it with me. You can read on screen. And Asa cried out to the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord God, for we rest on you. And in your name, we go against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Do not let the man prevail against you. Now, I know that if you had a million-man army coming at you, you would not read it so dignified. You would be like me. Help me, God. I don't know what I'm going to do. Right? I'm sure Asa was just like, help me, O Lord, for this multitude is coming upon us. All right? Psalm 57.2 says what? Cry out to God, okay? When you're going through your hour of trouble and you're going through calamity in your life, you're going to cry out to God. Amen? And that's all right. And so that's what he did. But listen, don't miss this. Because of the covenant. Remember the covenant when God says, I am your God and you will be my people? So Asa turns that around and says to him, oh, Lord, you're not going to let these people prevail against you. Because we're your people. And Ellen White says the prayer of Asa is one that every Christian believer may fittingly offer. We fight in a warfare not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and against spiritual wickedness in high places. And you know she's quoting Ephesians 6.12. But this is what she says. I want to continue reading from Kings and Pro- Prophets and Kings. She's reading page 111. In Life's Conflict... We must meet evil agencies that have arrayed themselves against right. Our hope is not in man, but in the living God. Who is our hope in? With full assurance of faith, we may expect he will unite his omnipotence with the efforts of human instrumentalities for the glory of his name. When calamity is going on, God unites his omnipotence, right? Omnipotence means his all-knowing. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows how this thing called Rona is going to end. We don't, right? But he unites his wisdom with our instrumentalities. In other words, God uses people. He works through people, right? Amen? Doesn't God work through people? He works through us for the glory of his name. Clad with the armor of his righteousness, we may gain victory over every foe. How many foes? All right. So King Asa's faith was signally rewarded. So here's what happened. This is how it went down. The Lord struck the Israelites. Isn't that what it, I mean, the, Ethiop, the, the ah, Ethiopians, right? Isn't that what it says? The Lord struck the Ethiopians, sent that million army running home. And what did they leave behind as they were running? 
They couldn't carry all the gold and silver, all their flocks and all their cattle and all their stuff. So who gets to get all of that? All the spoils, Asa and his people. So they come back victorious because the Lord fought for them. What did I say? They came back victorious because who? The Lord fought for them, right? The Lord's strong and mighty. He took care of that, right? And so Asa is so thankful. And they are on their way back. And you can imagine they're doing a victory march. Some of them might have been dancing a little bit, right? Because they were just rejoicing over watching and seeing the amazing ways that God came to their rescue. And God took care of things. But then uh, he sends a messenger. God sends a message to Asa. And we find that message in 2 Chronicles 15, 1 to 2. We're going through the story. We're trying to go quickly. Trying to go quickly. We're going through the story. And this is what the messenger says. His name is Azariah, and he is the son of Oded. In 2 Chronicles 15, 2, he comes out to meet Asa while Asa is rejoicing over what the Lord has done, and he gives him a message. And let's read that message. He says, hear me, Asa. And all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. So Asa gets this message, and he's greatly encouraged. And he rededicates himself to being faithful to the Lord. And he calls for a second reformation. In other words, he held a big camp meeting. And he said to all the people, come on, y'all, let's have camp meeting and let's rededicate ourselves to the Lord. Let's be strong in the Lord because we have seen him work for us when we're going through trial. And moving on with the story, they do that. Things go well. And the Bible says a few verses later that God gave him peace for 20 years. He got peace for 20 more years. And then the word of God says, 36 years into his reign. So I'm guessing Asa was about 56 years old, right? Another test comes. His cousin, the king of Israel, crosses the line, takes control of Ramah, which is a city only five miles from Jerusalem. And he takes over that city. And Asa is upset. So, the Bible says he cries out to God, right? Right? No. He doesn't cry out to God. What does he do? He takes matters into his own hands. And he goes over and makes a deal with the king of Syria, the heathen king. And he gives him that gold and silver that he got from the Ethiopians 20 years ago. He's like, look, man. I need your help. Look, bro, I need your help. My cousin, he is getting on my nerves, and I need your help to take him out. Can you help me with that? Look, here's all my gold. Here's all my silver. Here's all my secrets. Just, just, just work with me. And so they do. And the two of them go off. They take care of cousin. They get Rama back, and life goes on, right? What happened? God sends a messenger through Hanani. And God's message to Asa is this. Why did you rely on the king of Syria? Do you not remember the Ethiopians? If I can handle the Ethiopians, why can't I handle your cousin? Today I'm going to leave you with three takeaways 
Bucks County. Three takeaways that God gave to me about this situation. You ready for them? Three takeaways. Number one, God wants us to remember what he's done for us. Amen? God wants us to remember what he's done for us. He brought you through some storms in life. And so far from what I can see, he's brought you through Rona. He rescued you from hurt, harm, and danger. He healed you when you were sick. He provided for you when you had no money. He's blessed you to be here today. He loved you when nobody else did. Don't forget what he's done for you. He brought you through those storms so that you can get through the next ones. Amen? So number two, God wants us to call him first. God wants to be your first call, not your last resort. How many times do we get into trouble and things happen in our lives? We don't cause them. Things happen. And we sit there wringing our hands. We stay awake at night, laying in bed, trying to figure out how we're going to fix this. How are we going to handle this? What am I going to do about this? And God is up there saying, mm-hmm, I'm right here. Call me in your hour of trouble. Ellen White says that Asa's long record of faithful service was marred by some mistakes, made at times when he failed to put his trust fully in God. Can you relate? I know that some of you here in Bucks County are maybe three, third, or fourth generation Adventists. You might be a faithful tither. You might be the best Sabbath school superintendent this church has ever had, and you have the awards to prove it. You might be the longest-serving elder or deacon. You're faithful. You're good. You show up on Sabbath, mask on, hand sanitizer going, right? You're going to show up for the cleanup tomorrow. And surely you're going to support the evangelism series and invite your neighbors because you also do what is good and right in the eyes of the Lord. But what happens when trouble comes? Do you put your, 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 your faith fully and your trust fully in God? Or do you try to take it on on your own and call God when you've run out of options? God wants to be your first call. God wants you to remember what he's done for you. God wants to be your first call. And number three, this is your third takeaway for today. God wants you and me, me and you, to be fully committed to him. And this is where our scripture reading comes in today. Second Chronicles 16, 9. Thank you. Look at them. They are just amazing. I should have sent it to you earlier so you could have it up there, but we're going to come back and review it. So get it, get it up there, and then we're going to come back and review it as we close. Second Chronicles 16, 9 says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. King James Version says, whose heart is perfect toward him. New King James Version says, whose heart is loyal to him. New English Translation says, those who are devoted to him. So God wants us to be fully committed. What does that look like? Our hearts are perfect toward him. We are loyal to him. We are devoted to him. We don't just live right and do right. We trust him. Not just in good times, but in tough times. So now that you have it up on there, let's do a 
Let's do it one more time. We'll read them together. Number one, remember what God has done for you, right? For us. We'll say us. Remember what God has done for us. Everybody say that with me. Remember what God has done for us. Number two, call God first. And number three, be fully committed to God, right? What does God want to do for those who are fully committed to him? If we look back in 2 Chronicles 16.9, I don't want you to miss this phrase. There was a phrase there, and I don't want us to miss it. It says, in order, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So there's this word in there, strengthen. The other version says, show himself strong in our behalf. So God is there watching, looking to see who of us in our hour of trouble, in our hour of need, will be committed to him. And what he wants to do, because we're in covenant with him, is he wants to show himself strong on our behalf. He wants to be our hero. He wants to step in and help. He is just a call, a prayer, a a moan away. Sometimes in the night, you can't even think what to say. And all you have to say is, Jesus, help me. Right? Somebody knows what I'm talking about. Somebody has been in trial and in trouble. Somebody hasn't known how they're going to pay the bills. Somebody doesn't know how they're going to get back in school next semester. Somebody doesn't know how they're going to fix the car. Somebody doesn't know how they're going to make this thing work with home and school and and church and children and all this stuff going on. Somebody has been in need. And God says, I want to be your way maker. I want to be your miracle worker, your promise keeper, your light in the darkness. Amen? Amen. Now what happens? Ellen White says that instead of humbling himself before God because of his mistake in going ahead of God and not reaching out to God, Asa got angry with Hanani, the messenger, and he threw him in prison. Asa's story ends in 2 Chronicles 16.12. 2 Chronicles 16.12, we learn that in the 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet until his disease was exceedingly great. He got a health challenge. Yet in his disease, we have it on screen, thank you. What does it say? Read it with me. Yet in his disease... He did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. Mercy. This is a young Adventist, grew up, knows the Ten Commandments forward and backwards, knows how to live right, has seen God bless him for 39 years in his reign, right? One of the longest reigning kings of Judah. This is not somebody out in the world. This is one of us. And in his hour of need, he makes a deal, does his own thing, tries to solve the problem his own self, and then he gets a health challenge. If we live long enough, you and I may get health challenges. And it says, yet 
in this disease, he still did not seek the Lord, but he sought the physicians. Now, before somebody says, oh my, he went to the doctors. My study Bible offers a footnote, and this is really important that we don't miss it. In those days, okay, 3,000 years ago, physicians that they're talking about here were not our doctors. They were pagan healers who used rituals. And it says they conflicted with the law of God. They sought rituals that conflicted with the Ten Commandments. Now, we know the Ten Commandments says what? Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. I don't know what those guys did, but I know that they weren't praying to God, the one true God. They were praying to idols. They were probably sacrificing whatever. They were cutting themselves. They were doing whatever they had to do, like the prophets of Baal, right? To try and find a cure for King Asa. So don't get it wrong. The physicians they were talking about were pagan healers. And they did not seek the one true God or go to the medically trained doctors from Loma Linda. Okay? (laughs) All right. So verse 13 ends Asa's story. Asa's story ends in verse 13. If we go to that, it says, So Asa rested with his fathers. He died in the 41st year of his reign. And that's it. In three chapters, that's all we learn. And the message to me was so clear. What God was saying to me is that in these last days, we're going to have calamities in our world, in our life. Sometimes it can feel overwhelming, all that we're going through. This pandemic is just the beginning. There are going to be times when you and I are going to feel trouble on every side. Health, financial, family, mental health, crises after crises. And unfortunately, the forecast isn't looking very good. But God calls us today, and he reminds us of the covenant that he made with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all that came before us. And he says, look, as we travel to the kingdom, it may not always be easy, but you and I, we're in covenant. I will keep my promises, and I will get you to the promised land. But just like the children of Israel, I need three things from you. Can anybody remember what those three things are? Number one, remember what God has done for you. Number two, call God first. And number three, be fully committed. Trust him. Trust him. Somebody say, pray and trust God. It was 1943, and I'm closing. 1943, a woman by the name of Ruth K. Jones, she lived in Pennsylvania. She was a pastor's wife in Pennsylvania. And the war was going on, World War II. And every day she would open the Pittsburgh newspaper near where she lived, and she would read the list of casualties in the war. Supplies were rationed at home. Things were tough. Life was full of strain and stress. And she opened her Bible to look for comfort. She turned to 2 Timothy 3. And it says, but, this, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. 
And then she turned to Hebrews 6.19. You can write down those texts so you can remember them. 2 Timothy 3.1 and Hebrews 6.19, which says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. And a song began composing in her mind, and it became one of the most beloved gospel songs of the 1940s and 50s. And it goes like this. In times like these, we need a savior. In times like these, we need an anchor. Be very sure, be very sure. Your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. Sing with me. Then stand with me today and say, God, as we continue on this journey to the kingdom, I don't know what's going to happen. I can't control everything that's going to happen, but I know I want to be fully committed. If that's you, I want you to stand with me today. We're going to stand and tell them we're fully committed. We're in this with you, God, that covenant. We're in it. Now, some of you are saying, I want to know more than a study. If you want to study the Bible, I want you to just come on down. If you want to study the Bible, there's somebody here who can study with you. We have great elders. We have a great pastor. We have great Sabbath leaders and others who can join. If you would like to just have a Bible study and learn more and study more, just come on down. And then some of you are saying, well, I'm, I really want to be baptized or rebaptized, so I can stay strong in this, in this covenant with God. And if that's you, I want you to come down too. There's room for you. If you want Bible studies or if you want to say, I want to get baptized or rebaptized, you come on down. And this wonderful team is going to help, and we're going to all sing this song one more time. We're going to sing that verse again. And during that time, if you would like to come on down, please do.